Hello and welcome to Clean Beauty Asia's podcast. I'm your host, Ali Rook. This interview series is a collection of conversations with people who operate, support and facilitate beauty brands doing business in Asia. My aim is to provide valuable insights and information to make your beauty brand's transition into Asia as smooth and successful as possible. This first series is dedicated to cross-border e-commerce in China, and I really hope you find it valuable. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, everyone. So today in my interview series, we've got Michael Norris from Agency China. Michael and his team spend a lot of time conducting field work across China, observing firsthand consumer behavior. Um, and I thought he was a really interesting person to have on to talk about some of the latest consumer trends in beauty. So welcome, Michael. Thanks very much for having me, Ali, and uh, a special hello to your audience. Thank you. So I think let's kick it off um, with sort of the first question, which is with recent wheat research and of course the macro economic situation that we're in, have you seen any particularly interesting shifts um, with female consumers looking to buy specifically international brands in China? So I think our international clients continue to be inspired by the level of total beauty. So this idea that it's not just skincare, that it also extends to what you eat. Um, interesting work uh, quite recently around exercise and, and even some dietary supplements. So this idea that it extends across all these different interventions, let's call them, um, all the way to your sort of little gadgets and gizmos and something we did quite regularly on uh, temperature testing. So the idea of little miniature fridges that you pop your, uh, <laughs> that you pop your different serums and your different, oh, um, yeah. your different nutraceuticals into uh, to make sure that they're in tip top shape. So I think clients are very encouraged by that, this idea that um, beauty is a phenomenon, the edges of it just keep extending. And so that's mm -hmm. something that continues to inspire and, and, and cause pause for thought. And the second thing that I think is interesting is that uh, this factor, the mask factor continues. Yeah. Uh, we've yeah. been through summer, uh, we're going into winter. And so the need states around uh, mask knee, so that is mask plus acne, the, the, mm -hmm. the two words together and, and, the, and the different skincare conditions that that gives rise to is something where there's still continued interest. And I think that there is, from the consumer side, a lot of interest in finding mask-proof uh, skincare routines, whether it be for daily uh, mm -hmm. care or something mm -hmm. that's a little bit more uh, first aid or an emergency response. You've had uh, sort of uh, some breakouts from wearing it for too long or what have you, or some irritation. And, mm -hmm. um, and the ability to be able to come in and solve that is, is highly prized by consumers at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I mean, so do you think that there are Chinese brands that are really trying to tap into that? Or do you think there's something that maybe international brands have an edge on in terms of those two um, observations? 
I think this is an area where efficacy matters and irrespective of whether it's a local brand or whether it's an imported brand, the, um, the efficacy will do the talking. And so I think that that's probably the primary consideration. Yeah, okay, makes sense. So um, ingestible beauty in China has traditionally been dominated by major players like Swiss, GNC, um, really big international brands that come in and they've, they've really got a big foothold in the market. But recently I've seen more niche brands, both Chinese brands, but then international niche brands coming in and with more innovative formats, different offerings. And I sort of wanted to get your take on that and whether there was anything interesting that you've seen on the research side. So I agree that this is a really interesting trend. I think the thing that I, I try and convey to new entrants at the top of our engagement is that there's a, there's a long-standing tradition of using food as a way to improve uh, skin care, uh, hair and nails as part of Chinese medicine. And so the new formats, whether they be highly concentrated formats uh, like powders or liquids, really build on top of that. I do think that um, this is one of the areas where when you get in uh, or when the consumer gets into it, the, uh, there is some expanding choice that causes maybe some level of consternation or confusion at first, but once they really get into the category, then that confusion melts away and it's really an excitement around discovery of new possibilities and a discovery of, of more effective formulations. And so, uh, again, uh, highly pragmatic uh, nature of, of beauty consumers looking at efficacy. And so I do think that uh, smaller brands can stand out. And I think this is one of the areas as well, as you mentioned, with some of the new entrants that are coming in, I mean, some Japan, Japanese and Korean brands that have yeah. come into the market. Last 18 months, you've just seen their, their Tmall sales um, really reach a, reach a new height. And that's partially driven because of their own core competency back in their home market, plus the ability to be able to make some serious headway with a, a hero skew that is, um, I, I guess, very well known uh, in the Chinese market for particular properties or a particular format or a particular level of efficacy. And so this is, this is what I'd be uh, looking at as a, as a sign of, of pretty clear encouragement. Yes, and, and from some research that I've read, it's a lot of younger consumers coming into the category, you know, post 95s, 90s, 95s, really interested in different formats. Dummies are, are becoming quite popular. You know, there's lots of different, um, there's lots of different formats that people are looking at. So, um, yeah, I think that's an interesting space if brands are playing in that. And they, as you say, strong in their home market with a good yeah. USP, um, then I think there's definitely potential. And I think T, it's something that Tmall's obviously encouraging as well with the numbers of brands coming on yes. um, to Tmall in the, in the supplement space. There's been a lot that's, in the last sort of 12 months. That's right. You're, you're absolutely right. And you touch on something that's, that's important to note is that, it has moved away from, uh, let's just say, uh, very simple collagen powders and liquid mm -hmm. collagen, um, that there is an expanding space there. It does include fortified foods. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be surprising for the next time, uh, in, in a few months, the, the NPD basis, it looks maybe more like a lot of hydration style properties. Yeah. Um, you know, this idea of, of, of waters or infused waters. 
Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of that. And so, yes, very fast moving, but you're right. The, if you hit those keynotes, um, you've got a shot. Got an opportunity, yeah. Mm. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was really interesting to chat to you about was male skincare in China, because it's something that both skincare and makeup actually is something that um, we've seen a lot. There's there've been you know a couple a year and a half ago there was already quite a lot of discussion about it, but it's obviously evolved. And I know that's something that you're particularly interested in the moment, potentially doing a new research project. So I sort of wanted to get your take on what's the latest with that and how has that evolved? That's quite right. So um, we're also really excited about the male beauty category generally. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. has seen the statistics um, growing faster than, than female beauty. We've got mm -hmm. a number of different drivers of this. Um, so everyone's got that basic insight. The key now is entry. Um, and if you're already here, continued execution. And so what's exciting, I think, about the male consumer set is the different requirements in terms of assortment. Um, so the idea that packages, uh, uh, bundles, is, is perhaps the dominant form of purchasing online. I do think that it's an open question in terms of what those bundles contain. I don't think that all the brands have got that quite right yet. I also think as well in terms of the packaging, that if you look at um, and really spend time with these consumers, you'll find that uh, guys like a minimum of fussed. And so what that means, mm -hmm. I think, from a, a format perspective is actually bigger formats and being able to be distinctive with larger formats rather than something that's, that's quite small and you have to replenish often. And then speaking mm -hmm. of the replenish question, you know, there might be some interesting pieces of innovation that we can do around that, um, whether it's uh, something uh, on the mobile device or something even a, a little bit more low tech, like a, uh, like a replenish button, uh, a little bit like one of those mm -hmm. Amazon dash buttons. I do think that there is yep. the opportunity to do lots of different things in this space. But um, what that's predicated on is really understanding the consumer and understanding uh, some of the things that I've talked about now, uh, as well as um, the jump. When do you go from basic cleansing to, to uh, higher requirements for hydration to something a little bit more sophisticated again? Understanding those jumps is going to be really critical, uh, especially as more players come into the market and the emphasis will be on a differentiation and a differentiated competition. Just to set up the, the research project as a as a small plug, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, so what we're doing is we're encouraging smaller um, male beauty brands to get in touch. And the purpose of, of this piece of work is really just to lower the cost of smaller brands doing high quality research. So the idea is that we'll be in touch with uh, around 24 um, highly engaged male skincare consumers. We'll also run a survey and do expert interviews. And the idea is to give a couple of different uh, smaller brands uh, in different verticals. So it might be um, eyebrow pencils, might be BB cream, it could be something around cleansing, to be able to give them the opportunity to have access to research that oftentimes um, uh, costs quite a bit, but by coming in together, we can, we can lower the cost. And by making sure that we're all from different verticals, we all get our, uh, the same, uh, the, the questions that we answered answered but at the same time, we can be sure that the insights that you get are sort of, are yours. So that the category secrets that you, that you obtain yes. are, are yours and yours alone. So that's a, that's a piece of, uh, I guess, uh, innovation that we're, that we're yep. bringing to the market uh, in a post COVID world. 
Um, so we're really excited about that. Mm. And are you finding that um, more obviously traditionally women buy skincare and for, for their partners, but do you finding now it's more and more men buying for themselves? So it's, it's becoming very different in terms of um, purchase behavior? I think that's an interesting question. I do think that it pays to spend time at the front line. So talking to uh, whether it's through yourself internally or whether it's through a TP, the customer service reps, you know, what sort of inquiry volume are you getting around, is this suitable for male consumers? What type of user is that, is, is that request coming from? All important information to try and work out, okay, when it comes to this, uh, the purchase of, let's say, uh, products traditionally designed for female consumers, how much male uptake do we have there? And then mm -hmm. the second thing as well is just to understand, you know, who's, who's buying and what does that gifting proportion look like? And that will mm. in turn, I think, inform um, how you package some of those things up, in, including uh, things like the product pack shots, the instructional videos and the like. Um, it all cascades together, but really comes from spending time on the front line and, and getting involved with those customer sales reps. Yeah, and also sort of where it's being, where they're trying to find out this information, obviously calling a brand, you know, chatting to a brand on WeChat, but also are they looking at Shaohu or is that, is that yeah. really female, still very female dominated? You know, how do, they, how do they find out about which products to buy? I think that's fascinating because traditionally it's big brands, right? Like L'Oreal Men Expert or, you know, the ones that have done a lot of, um, a lot of advertising in their sort of front, yes. front and center. But actually now it's seemingly from, from my research is that, you know, people are, men are looking for more niche brands. They're in, they yeah. want to find something that is more suited to them, that is more interesting. And so how are they finding out that information? I think that's, that's something that brands really need to nail. That's right. Those touch points, and especially when that touch point of the storefront is removed for a lot of the, a lot of the guys. Instead, it's, it, you're sort of um, behind a screen and it's a test and learn proposition. Yeah. Uh, as, yeah. The, as the product comes to your door in an e-commerce parcel, in those situations, those touch points become key. And, and you're quite right. There are specific male need states that perhaps haven't quite been fully addressed yet. You know, the mm. exercise heavy, uh, lots of sweat. Yep. What does that mean? Um, mm. uh, humidity, given China's geographic uh, vastness, plays into that as well different types of skin tones uh, and, and, and underlying skin conditions. There's a lot of space, uh, but it does, I think, require, uh, how does one say, uh, to maybe go beyond a few of the, um, uh, the sort of the reports and really get in there with your frontline yeah. sales staff or alternatively um, uh, do, some, do some good old fashioned consumer research. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. That was so interesting. And I think um, hopefully people will have many follow-up questions for you. So in terms of the best way to get in touch, is that through LinkedIn? LinkedIn is my primary contact. You can find yeah. uh, lots of daily posts about all, all different things, the categories and the verticals that we're interested in. And a quick uh, direct message to me, you'll generally uh, receive a response within the same day. Okay, great. Yes, I would re definitely recommend Michael's LinkedIn. There's lots of interesting um, China facts and opinions and uh, considerations. So thank you so Get much for joining me today. Thank you. Appreciate it, Ali. Thanks so much. Bye.
Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Clean Beauty Asia, the podcast with me, Ali Rook. I hope you found the content useful with tips and tricks and takeaways that can really help you move your China journey forward. I always like to hear from my listeners, so please join me on LinkedIn, Ali Rook, or Instagram, Clean Beauty Asia, and I'll be very happy to talk to you more. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.